the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome, everybody. Southern California Live. Great to be with you for hour two of our Monday show. I'm Scott Furrow, your host and L.A. Hockey Kings fan. Did you know that the L.A. Kings are in the playoffs? They are tied 2-2 two to two with the Edmonton Oilers in round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I think it's something to to keep in mind. Game five, game five is tomorrow at the Crypt, Crypto.com Arena, formerly the Staples Center, if you're wondering where that is. Hockey's great. Hockey playoffs, let me tell you something. If you're not a hockey fan or you never got into it, playoffs is a great place to start. Hockey playoffs are the best. They say that the Kentucky Derby is the best two minutes in sports. No, it isn't. It's two minutes of any hockey playoff overtime, sudden death overtime. The puck's flying around, and if it goes into the net, that team wins. It's so fast. You're on the edge of your seat. It's really great. Anyway, rooting for the Kings here on our program. Hopefully they will do well. I think if they beat the Oilers, they got a shot. They got a real shot at it. You can give me a call and join the conversation. 888-LA-TALKS is the phone number. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. SoCalLive at KKLA.com. If you need to email, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. We're live in Southern California. From 3 to 5 each and every weekday, bringing you to the table for some conversation, some encouragement, some fun, and uh, about the issues of the day from a Christian perspective, so you can join the conversation. You know, today they are telling us that we have crossed into 1 million COVID deaths. Uh, and, you know, it's been, it's been creeping up there. It's slowed down tremendously, okay? The number of deaths right now is very, very low. The number of cases, by the way, is through the roof. You can look at the the number of cases that are reported, but it's you know most people aren't re- reporting their cases anymore. I mean, do you still go and get tested? Do they even have testing facilities? I suppose they do uh, somewhere out there. Uh, the the seven day average for cases in the United States today uh, is seventy one thousand seven hundred forty two over the past week. That's a lot more than a year ago forty two thousand zero um, forty two thousand and fifteen. Uh, and the deaths are exactly the same as the seven-day average for deaths, 607 deaths of May 8th last year, 607 uh, deaths as of May 8th uh, this year. And, uh, you know, we certainly feel bad on the people who are passing away, but that number is a lot lower. And percentage-wise, you know, the number of cases is way more than the 71,000. Most people are not reporting them. I mentioned that my youngest son is sick with something. He's probably just got a cold. Uh, but we haven't even thought to test him, I think. Maybe Christy has. I'm going to come home and she's going to say, uh, no, we tested him right away. Here you go. Christy was very uh, uh, astute at getting all the tests when we knew we were going to need them to. You know, we have to test to get the kids back into school and other things like that. So we had a bunch. We were able to give away a bunch. And uh, we learned something. We learned that uh, back when uh, this was really going on in a heavy way, we couldn't find tests in uh, the neighborhood where we live or several different places. And then uh, we drove across town to, I said, we need to go to this other part of town. I don't think anybody over there believes COVID is real. And sure enough, we got tests. There were plenty. (laughs) People, we just have such a different uh, attitude about all of this. Anyway, 
so that should not diminish anybody who is sick and dying of this, or maybe you're just really sick in intensive care. Uh, but the current the current um, variation of the COVID is very, very, very contagious, but a lot less deadly. And so that is what's going on. So I think 100 million Americans might have already got it this year, something like that. I'm, I'm one of them. I got it. I, it was not fun. Probably I got the Omicron. Uh, they stopped calling them the Greek names. Now I think it's BM2. That's what they're calling it. I don't know what the BM stands for. Maybe I don't want to know. But uh, that's what it is right now. Uh, here's the breakdown, though, of that million COVID deaths. And I realize the, the million number is controversial from both ends, okay? So there's somebody, you know, one side is saying that it's actually far greater than that. Just a lot of people died that we didn't know, and it's probably a lot more for sure that's true, I think, if you consider all of the deaths that are caused, not directly because of COVID, but all the people who did not go get care, they didn't go in for the chest pains and they didn't go in for the stroke that they were having and other things because they were afraid to get COVID. And so, you know, secondary deaths that aren't exactly COVID related are very, very high. But there are people who think that hundred that the million COVID deaths, that you really should look at that. I And I think you should look at that. I would like to know how many of those are people who died of COVID versus how many people died with COVID. You know, you went into the hospital uh, for a stroke, and it happens to be that you have COVID, so you get on that list, but uh, you were probably not going to make it anyway. Uh, that is, we know that that is an actual problem. But here's here's what I want to get out here. One of the things that we are realizing, and I, I shouldn't even say realizing, one of the things that we knew was true, I think, right away, is that the COVID measures that were for kids were way over the top and caused more damage than helped. So what's happening now is that we're getting the research. I think that, you know, over time, we will get the research. Over time, somebody's going to do the research and they're going to do a good job to tell us, okay, how many people at this hospital died of COVID versus how many people died with COVID? I think that's going to be an important figure. And looking to the future where there will be more pandemics and, you know, more disease that that happens, we need to handle it better. You know, I, a great concern that I have is that we have lost a lot of trust in our even scientific institutions. You know, even the comedians make fun of the CDC and make jokes about that, but it's not really funny. We really should trust it. Of the million deaths, and this is CDC data here, okay, um, I got this from the CDC website. If you are 85 years and older, of all recorded COVID deaths are for people who are 85 years and older, 26%. 75 and older, another 26%. So 52% um, of the all those million COVID deaths are people over 75. One of the things that we were aware of immediately is that for our older population, much older population, COVID was very deadly that there was a very good chance that if you got the COVID, you were not going to make it. And that is some of the error that we made right away. Remember in New York, people put COVID patients in the convalescent hospitals and it just spread to everybody. That's why the death was the deaths were so high in New York those first couple of months. And it, it threw things, I think, into, into a skew. I remember here, those first couple of months of 2020, at church, we were told by county officials that you should expect a lot of death in your congregation, that your old people aren't going to make it and everybody else's parents aren't going to make it. 
and you should be prepared. And on the news, we're looking at mass graves on Long Island, and, and uh, you know, at the time, they thought Governor Cuomo was doing a good job. Turns out uh, he was doing the opposite of a good job, and that's why he doesn't have a job today. Um, maybe he has a job. He might be driving Uber. He might have been my Uber driver going, uh, or Lyft, whichever one I was using, don't want to say, going 90 miles an hour this weekend. I should have asked him, did you used to be the governor of New York? You kind of look like it. Uh, so more than 50%, 75 years and older, 65 to 74-year-olds, which is 9.6% of our population, another 22.7%. 50 to 64 18% of the uh, of all the COVID deaths. So you're looking at over 50 years old. Almost everybody who died of COVID is over 50 years old of that million. And that is not to say that we don't care or that, that, that somehow that's good news, okay? And COVID could change and really hit younger people. Today, most of those cases are people who are younger. 18 to 29 is actually the highest rate of infection today is in that age group. Um, but it's not very deadly for that age group. It drops off, under 50 years old, drops off significantly. Uh, 40 to 49, 4.1. 30 to 39, 1.8. Uh, 18 to 29, 0.7. And under that, it is uh, less than 0.1, uh, rounded up to 0.1. And so the thing that we have learned, and something that I I want to hesitate to say that we have learned because we knew this a couple of months into it. In 2020, we knew this. It's not affecting the kids, and it's hardly affecting young people. And now we're seeing that the preventative measures, which only just ended, which in some parts of the country are still happening to kids only. You, know, you can go to a, to a baseball game. You can go to a sporting event. You can go to the hockey playoffs. You can go to the the. Uh, press dinner at the White House, you can do all of this stuff and not wear a mask if you're a grown-up. But in some places, if you're a kid, you are still restricted. Until just a few weeks ago, kids in some school districts in the country were sent outside in the cold to eat their lunch six feet apart, still wearing the mask and all this. And they are the least likely to be affected by the disease, but maybe the most likely to be affected negatively psychologically. And so those studies are coming out. And I'm telling you this because we as a culture when we're dealing with the conversations we're having in the abortion debate that's going on right now, the conversations that we are having in the world of gender discussions for young kids, we are a culture that is attacking our kids. And I don't say that lightly, but we're doing it for our own selfish benefit. You know, there's some things in the Bible about kings who sacrificed their kids in the fire. There was an ancient cult where you would sacrifice your kids to Molech, right? And you would do all this different stuff. And if you read the Bible and Kings and Chronicles, you read about mostly these bad kings. And one of the things that says so often is, and King such and such sacrificed his kids in the fire. And you say today, you go, I can't believe that we would sacrifice our kids. You know, I'm not sure that it's different. Is that too harsh to say? I'm not sure that it's different today that we are willing to hurt our kids so that we feel more protected. This is, might be the first time in modern history where we seem to be happier, more comfortable hurting the kids. Now, I'm bringing this up because 60 Minutes yesterday had a story about this, and it was a reported by Sharon Alfonsi, and according to the CDC, admissions for suicidal thoughts in hospitals 
around the country are up 50% in young teenage girls since the pandemic began. And there were a couple of young women with their testimonies on this program last night who were in the eighth grade, eighth grade. That's my son's age, 12, 12 years old. And uh, Sophia Jimenez was one of them. Here's what she had to say. Play clip one. by saying this, that she was crying every night, feeling alone. My friends, our kids dealt with this in a way that they never should have dealt with it. And now we're seeing this damage. And I'm going to play a couple more uh, clips. She would later be hospitalized for depression and not eating. She was in the eighth grade. She developed, you know, some kind of food disorder. And she spent two weeks in the hospital and then was in a psychiatric facility. And she's one of many who are in that same boat, CDC, suicidal thoughts of 50% in young teenage girls, 12, 13, 14 years old. Maybe you've experienced this. You're listening to Southern California Live. You can call in and join the conversation. The number is 888-528-2557. I'm wondering how your kids did. And maybe we can pray for your kids. Uh, There are studies coming out now that are talking about not just the health, but the education that has been lost Years of education lost, and is it even going to be made up, made up, or is it a lifetime problem? These are our kids, my friends, and why? We knew almost immediately, a couple of months in, that what we're doing for kids, shutting down the schools, was not working, that the, the problems related to these shutdowns um, were not as severe as the shutdown itself. And we've known that for a long time. Another young woman, Nina Hughes, was interviewed, and uh, she said this about her experience. Play clip two. I've always been a super smart kid, and I've always had really good grades. And then as soon as the pandemic hit, I, I failed a class. When I was virtual, I had no motivation to do anything. I would just sit and my room, never leave. And it was like obvious signs of depression. I'm wondering how many of our kids exhibited the same things and how many of us, I mean, grownups were dealing with that. How much did we spend looking at our kids? She's a good student and suddenly she is flunking courses. We saw this all across the country and it is especially harsh in our, our inner cities. It is especially harsh in any community where mom and dad had to work or maybe there isn't a mom and dad present for various reasons, family reasons or work reasons. And we're just now getting these these stories. When asked by 60 Minutes reporter Sharon Alfonsi, uh, how did it affect them? This is what these young women said. Play clip three. What did you guys lose during the pandemic? Myself. Yourself. Yeah. I would definitely say there were big pieces of myself that I were definitely lost. I lost friends because we wouldn't see each other. We couldn't go to our first homecoming. I couldn't have an eighth grade graduation. I know that doesn't sound like that big of a deal. But but it's a big deal when you're in eighth grade. Yeah. yeah. I feel like if the pandemic hadn't happened at all. A lot of my 
like sadness and like mental problems would not be as bad as they are. It just made everything worse. It's a pretty severe story from 60 Minutes. I'm glad that they did it. The part that I think needs to be more strongly emphasized is that the pandemic didn't create these problems. Our response to these problems created these problems. Our response to the pandemic created these problems in kids. Our response to the pandemic, making the kids bear the brunt of it for the whole two years is why we have these problems. So what do we do about this now? Moving forward, we have an opportunity that's necessary to help our kids. We have to realize this is a national crisis. It's a global crisis for sure, but it is a national crisis in the mental health for our kids. It is a national crisis in the education of our kids. You know, something that we have got to understand, and we're seeing this. We're seeing this across the country right now. There are people responding as we have an election year. School boards are getting voted out. When was the last time we really paid attention to school boards? You know, really, you know, certain groups will always do that. But but when have we really done that? This week, school boards have been voted out across the country, and we've seen it in both liberal and conservative states, red and blue. We've seen it in our own state. We saw the school board get tossed in San Francisco in a recall election a couple of months ago. And there were lots of reasons for it. There are, there's a parade in San Francisco where the school board members were going by. You can Google this. And people are booing them. And these are not people wearing Make America Great Again hats. Nobody has one of those in San Francisco. All right. The Democrats recalled Democrats in San Francisco. Now, they replaced them with other Democrats. We'll see if that's the same philosophy or if they change the philosophy. But this isn't left and right is what I'm trying to say is that we're seeing the same thing left and right across our country. If something good happens with this, maybe the good is that we can get on the same page as far as educating and taking care of our kids and stop making them take the pain. See, and we're seeing that across the country. We're seeing that in the sex ed teaching of the little kids, which almost everybody says we shouldn't do that at a young age, you know, third grade and younger, you know, four-year-olds here, let's talk about gender. Let's so you're you're seven years old and you think you're the opposite gender. Well, let's start giving you drugs. Let's turn you into a medical patient, which you will have to be for life because you think you're a girl or you think you're a boy or you're dealing with whatever. My friends, this is wrong. It is ugly. It is against the kids. And I'm telling you, this is a sin in our nation that we need to stand up against. We need to also take a look at education. The education has been lost, two years of lost education. We should not be just pushing kids through. We have this problem anyway in our school systems where we push people through. And the goal is graduation, but not education. We have to reverse that. We have to be a culture that says, no, we want to educate our kids. And we graduate by saying, hey, you've learned. You can read and write at a high school level, which is where you're supposed to be when you graduate high school, not graduating kids at a third grade level or a fifth grade level and reading, writing, arithmetic, all of that because we've just pushed you through and we feel bad if you get an F and holding you back a year and you, you get behind and you have to make new friends and that was really sad and it's embarrassing. So what we're going to do is we're going to put you in life where you will always be behind your entire life. It's, it's generational problems that if we do not respond well as a country that we are creating because of what happened with education and mental health. 888-528-2557 is the number. David from Burbank. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Hi, David. Thanks for joining the conversation. What's on your mind with all of this? Well, this uh, vaccine uh, is taken, it's actually duped the entire world. 
we never needed a vaccine. The way to cure uh, the COVID is by using a rectum, uh, uh, well, well, you know what, David, a lot of a lot of people. Hold on, David. What we're talking about really here is is kids. And, you know, we can go down the other arguments about that. Certainly the vaccination didn't do what they said it was going to do. The studies still say that it maybe prevents death in some of the people who are most at risk. But let me ask you this. Right now, we're considering man making the vaccine mandatory for kids. Should we do that? I'm going to guess you're going to say no. Have the best, the highest immunity of anybody. Uh, they're not Dr. Delfts down left and right. Yeah, they are the least. That's what we sh- showed at the beginning of this hour. And thank you, uh, thank you, David, for your call. I got to go to a break. You know, we are getting ready to mandate the vaccines. Maybe it's been pushed off. It was going to happen this fall. Now it's next year. I think that there are a lot of questions, and there's also an awful lot of of notion that says that the COVID is, has changed in such a way that it's not nearly as deadly as it was before. And that whatever you think about the vaccine, do, should we be mandatory, making mandatory any vaccine where the odds of getting that disease are very, very tiny or where response to any vaccine might be worse than that? Or should we just be doing that anyway? There's a lot of question with that. What I'm trying to get at for our time here is our general attitude about kids and their lives. And are we putting ourselves ahead of the kids? Are we putting our needs, our fears, our concerns? Are we trying to you know, assuage ourselves of those things by sacrificing the kids? That appears to be what we have done the last couple of years. And going forward, this has got to change. How do we do that? For those of us who are in the church, how do we do that with our youth groups, with our kids' ministries? How do we help parents? What are some ways that we can move forward? These are some of the things that are on my mind with all of this. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. You're listening to Southern California Live Monday edition. I'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live Monday, brand new week Monday. Good to be with you. Scott Furrow here. We're with you every day, Monday through Friday, 3 to 5, right here in KKLA, 99.5 in Los Angeles. We're also on KPRZ in San Diego, all of Southern California. And today we're responding to this hour, 1 million COVID deaths. We've broken that down. And one of the other things that we are realizing is the toll that this has taken on kids, not in deaths. There have been very few. And in fact, if you break it down to the number of people who've died, it's very, very, very few people under 18. And in almost every case, it's people with other comorbidities and other things that have happened. And it doesn't mean we don't take that seriously. And it's a hard thing to discuss when we're talking about what might be an acceptable level of death. Okay, zero is the acceptable level of death, but that's why we have Jesus. The only way we're going to have zero death is when Jesus returns and uh, he puts an end to death. All right, until then, we have victory over death. We have faith in Jesus, that we will be, that we will have everlasting life. If you're a believer in Jesus, you get everlasting life. You will rise again. You will walk right through the whole Jesus punched in death into everlasting life. It's great. That's who we are as believers. That's what we teach on this station all day long. But in the meantime, we got to deal with death. The wages of sin is death. The people are dealing with death, and everybody that you know is going to die until the time Jesus comes back, uh, and the end times events occur. 
And what we've seen is tremendous harm to kids. And I think that this is not left and right. I think we're waking up to this. I think people left and right are waking up. That's why we're seeing in both red and blue states and red and blue communities the tossing out of school board members and the uh, ability to pay much more attention to what actually is being taught, to asking for transparency for what's being taught to kids. It's, it goes beyond just the COVID. And when we think about a million deaths and where we're at with that, we try to get serious about it. We have put so much burden on the kids. Before the break, we had testimony from kids that was on 60 Minutes this week talking about the mental health problems, eighth graders, and what they had to go through. And, you know, my kids, I I pay a lot of attention to them and trying to figure out, you know, how much did they hurt? How much are they wounded? Are they behind? And they had it better, frankly, than a lot of kids because they got to be in a private school and they were back in school in the fall of 2020. And uh, they had to wear masks until uh, just a couple of months ago when everybody got to take them off. But uh, other than that, they've that's a little better for them. A lot of kids were not even in school. Uh, and hardly even taken a test or been in school for two years. How are they going to catch up? The New York Times, this is not new, and the reason I I want to really point out this is not left and right. The New York Times, okay, this is the New York Times. Let's let's not pretend that they're not a left-wing newspaper. They are. But even the New York Times a couple of months ago, an article by David Leonhardt, an editorial, he said this. He said that for the past two years, Americans have accepted more harm to children in exchange for less harm to adults. And isn't that what we're doing? Isn't that what a lot of the arguments that we're having, isn't that ultimately what abortion is when we really get into the question that is now on the front pages of our papers and thoughts and internet screens? We're talking about the value of the unborn life or even the value of the born life versus the value of the adult's life. And which should weigh more? Who should have more rights? Who gets to decide that? even in the area of the gender discussions and what should be taught in schools regarding sex ed or gender studies. A lot of battles are coming up about that. And who is that really about? Is it about the four-year-old who has some kind of articulate way of, of discussing this matter? Or is it about some small group of loud parents or not parents or people who want to force an ideology? I think that left and right, most regular people actually are not that far apart politically on what they think about this. And I think that's why we're seeing the culture pay more attention. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to call and join the conversation. 888-528-2557. Larry from Irwindale, welcome to Southern California Live. Thank you, Scott. Uh, You know, in all those children that were uh, giving comments, isolation is a terrible thing. It's deadly. And, Isolation is deadly, actually. Yes. And, you, you know, I, I've seen it happen generation after generation, and those people that were talking about picking on the children, remember they were children once, too, and they went through the same thing these children are going through. And I, you... I told a screener, when in Orange County the other day, they said a $1,500 or 1,500-square-foot home was valued over a million dollars. When you take that security of a home away from a child, and to be able to qualify to live in that home, you would have to be making 300000 a year. 
Who does that? Who makes that much money? Yeah, it's uh, it is definitely crazy. the The world we're living in, and it affects the children in all sorts of ways. Um, and uh, you know, you know, kids. When you say that, you know, kids hear the conversation that adults are having about can we afford the house? Do we have to leave? Maybe you know, some people are. You know, most people will not be homeless, but most people are going to have to downsize or leave the state. Um, but kids, but kids will hear it as I might be homeless, right? Yeah. Well, you know, let me say one other uh, item. You know, when you were talking about what we could do for the homeless, yeah. And I called in then and I said, it's a national problem. We need to put them on the military basis. Oh, I remember that. I, I went away from that conversation with you with the thought that you might think I thought that was a punitive thing to do. Oh, no, I didn't think that, Larry. I remember that. Uh, Larry, thank you for your call. I want to go on to the the next ones. No, uh, Larry, had, uh, you know, we were talking about homelessness a couple of uh, weeks or months ago, and um, one of his ideas was maybe we help them join the military or put them on military bases. I didn't think that at all, Larry. I, I think that for a lot of our homeless, they need a lot of psychological care. Uh, some people could actually be could join the military, and it's a good option if you have not gone down the path of severe mental illness or you uh, or uh, drug abuse, which is so often the problem going on with homeless people. That's def- definitely you know a possibility. You know, it's the military. You still need a good military, right? And the purpose of the military is uh, not to be a social program. The purpose of the military, as uh, Rush Limbaugh used to always say, the purpose of the military is to kill people and break things. And that's true. That is the actual purpose of the military. Uh, you get some great training and you get the, your education paid for. The GI Bill is a wonderful thing that we do. And soldiers who take advantage of that, it's great for them. And it's, you know, it's what the recruiters do to get you to join. Uh, I was almost recruited by Sergeant Link. I still remember that guy 35 years ago uh, trying to get me to join the Marines. And he was close. In fact, uh, his counterpart, uh, I don't remember that guy's name, but got me uh, almost to join the Navy. And I decided I was going to join if we went to war. And so if we weren't at war, I didn't. And then the Gulf War happened and I sought them out. I thought, well, I guess I'm going to war. And that ended in 100 hours, so we didn't have time to get the paperwork. Uh, but that is what it is. 888-528-2557 is the number. Rodney from Inglewood, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello. Hi, Rodney. Yes. Uh, I was a little upset to kind of calm you down when you mentioned Christ and his return and all death and illness and, and evil will be eliminated. And, and we all probably know that. But what gets me upset, I hear a lot of Christian shows like your show, and maybe I'm wrong. I, I'm hoping I'm wrong. That are so political, uh, they have no PhD in science, in biology, or medicine. Uh, just like the biologists and the scientists have no PhD in theology. And for a person who is a Christian, that help divide people. The Democrats, Republicans, or, or we're a mask or not we're a mask. And I know a lot of Holocaust survivors, if they were alive, and they said, oh, if my child can wear a mask and not go through this persecution and miss a year of school or maybe two years, maybe 10 years, I would, well, 
to work as I know people who have done young people, and old people from, from the Irish. And for people who are Christians that are not supposed to be a part of the world we're passing through, Satan is a loose. This is nothing compared to revelations that's going to occur. We should not be caught up in this. And we should put all precautions against dying until we can get our children saved. Mm. And so with a, with a dark on mass, we're dark on shot. It does not make, there's nothing compared to the suffering that we're going to go through. The church should not be involved with it. The church should be involved with saving souls. You know, That's uh, what got me upset. Yeah. You know? Well, Rodney, I think, uh, let me uh, share with you where I'm trying to go with this, and I realize that sometimes we tune in. Uh, first of all, you're right. I think Christians get a lot too, lot, way too political on things that are left and right. And I think that if Jesus were to come and explain to us exactly who's right and who's wrong about some of those issues, then Jesus would point out that at this point we've done nothing to help save the souls of the people who we're called to uh, minister to. And one of the things that I am hoping to do, and I'm interested in this subject, because I think that people left and right actually agree a lot more on certain things than what gets put out there in the media. And people on the left and right, we we tend to just camp out with our side rather than try to deal with what's true. So we're, our, we're headed with, on our program on Southern California Live, is we do want to solve issues. We want to be truthful. And the issue here that is coming out is that throughout all of the protections that were there, whatever people think about them, we seem to have, and left and right seems to be agreeing with this a lot more often, we seem to have sacrificed the kids and their overall well-being in exchange for the adults feeling better uh, about things. And you know, does that make sense, uh, Rodney? Uh, you might be gone. Sorry, we lost you, Rodney, but I'm, I'm really glad that you're listening and you do bring up a good point for us. I think that there are things that as believers, we get far too into that at the end of the day are not helping us in the kingdom of God, arguments that we get into about different things. Uh, it doesn't help us when, like you said, uh, we have a Facebook degree in science, you know, or we start to believe one side or the other because it fits what we think. What I would like to communicate with these things is that the science and our experiences coming together now as research two years into it is saying, you know what, we've hurt the kids. And the mask wearing for adults and the different things for adults, that's one thing. And we could argue about that, but adults know how to deal with it a little better. You know, I think that most of us made some arrangement for how we're going to deal with the isolation and rules. Some of us struggled more than others. But as adults, we had the ability to make some choices. But the kids don't. And the reason I bring the New York Times into this discussion, for example, is I don't want people to think this is just a right-wing opinion. So I bring the New York Times in, who most people agrees is a left-wing source. And 60 Minutes is not a right-wing uh, organization. I haven't really watched 60 Minutes carefully since Andy Rooney left because he was the greatest thing about that show ever. But um, for us today as believers, there is a time when things are going on in the culture 
And in particular, I think when it's having to do with kids that we have to stand up and say that's wrong. Sexualizing kids at a young age is wrong. They're going to reach an age where they're going to have to have those conversations. They ought to be having them at home, at school. They ought to have you know, biological instruction that is based on what is, what is fact. And at home, the moral discussion should be there. The schools should not be opposed to the parents on these subjects. There's a lot that's wrong. And what we are seeing as we reflect on two years of the COVID is that, as this New York Times writer puts, for the past two years, this is quoting from New York Times, Americans have accepted more harm to children in exchange for less harm to adults. I think that as believers, the Lord would like us to reverse that. And I think there's a benefit to that for our country, but I think it also gives us some credibility together as a church. I think it helps left and right or people in the middle, wherever you stand on these things, to come together to say, hey, do we really need to do this to the kids? Shouldn't we sacrifice ourselves more for the kids? I realize there's a lot of issues that are harder to understand, but we've got to do that. And isn't that what we're saying in the abortion thing is that one person's right um, to have the type of life they want? I saw, I know I got to go to a break here. The number is 888-528-2557 if you want to call for after the break. I saw a lot of articles this weekend and conversation about how great abortion is for men because the men get to go off and get to do their careers where they wouldn't have been able to pursue their careers if they would have had to raise a child. And I can't even tell you what kind of a dumb story that is from a guy's standpoint. Really, you're not going to take care of your, your child. You're going to leave her to do it, to take care of it, or she's going to have the abortion and you're going to encourage her to do it, and maybe she wants to do it, but she has to bear all that comes with that. The guilt, the psychological, the political, all the stuff, you get to go have your nice career, guys. See, we are sacrificing kids right from the beginning. This is where our culture is. I think that the church has an opportunity and a necessity to, in a kind way, but direct, in a bold way, speak out against this in all kinds of areas. And I also think that people who are not in the church and people who are in the left and the right, whatever their religious beliefs are, I think most people agree to a certain extent that we're not considering the kids in these things. And therefore, we should move forward. I got to take a break. The number is 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you. I'll be right back. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-LA-TALKS. Can join our conversation. This hour, we've been talking about 1 million COVID deaths. We've been focusing in on kids and how kids have borne the brunt of a lot of our response to it and what we can learn from that. And I think that there is the opportunity now for us. And by us, I mean all of us. I mean Americans, for sure. I think people on the left and right to stand up for our kids. There are multiple issues right now that have to do with children, what they're learning in school, what they're being taught at young ages, whether they should be given in the gender thing. Uh, Alabama, I think, passed a law that made giving uh, puberty-blocking drugs to young kids, I think kids under 12, maybe it's under 18, who want to change their gender, made that illegal. 
And the reason is, is because if you're 7, 8, 12, maybe even 18, you haven't thought about it. There have been great articles in the Washington Post, left-wing newspaper. All right. Nobody thinks the Washington Post leans right. Great article in there from a transgender man who's in his 50s who talks about all the things he wish he would have known when he was 19 when he changed the gender. He said, one of the things that I wish I would have known is that I would be a medical patient for my whole life. Imagine that that's what we're doing now with kids who are 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, making you a medical patient for your whole life. Do you really have the ability to make that decision for what all of that means? Why are we doing that? The abortion question. You know, another issue in the abortion conversation that's been going on is um, that it's only religious people. Only re- This is only a religious point of view and that it's the government. It's not at all true. You know, Christopher Hitchens, you know who he was? He passed away. A famous atheist. Hopefully he met Jesus before he met Jesus. Smart guy, uh, you know, but uh, very wrong about certain things, uh, obviously, in my view. Uh, but he was an atheist who was completely against abortion. He thought it went against any humanitarian principle that he was trying to uphold. He's, you know, he, it, the problem for that point of view is if there's no God, then there's really no humanitarian position that's worth its salt because uh, you die and that's it. And if it's just survival of the fittest, you, you run into all kinds of problems. You know, if you're an atheist dealing with any moral issue at all, uh, because no one's going to hold you accountable, uh, ultimately, in any spiritual sense, you can get away with what you can get away with. But the point is that, that, that that's there. You know, one of the greatest speakers today on a pro-life pro-abortion or anti-abortion side of things is a woman named Kristen Hawkins. And she runs an organization called Students for Life. And uh, if you check out what she does, she goes to all the college campuses and has these conversations. Um, And people get up and just scream and curse at her. I mean, it's filthy. It's harsh. You worry for her safety. And she takes this. She does this all the time. And her approach is direct she is able to speak back politely, and I don't know how anybody takes that, but she does, and she is against abortion, and she is simply pointing out that this is a value discussion today, that the science today does not support what is taught to a lot of people. And the gender arguments that are that are going on um, with the kids, the, the, the bills that are in the state houses about not teaching sex ed, or different philosophies to kids under third grade. Most people agree. I guess that's where I'm getting at. Most people agree that that shouldn't be done. Scripturally speaking, I believe as Christians we should be extra serious about this because throughout the Bible, God has some things to say about kids. It seems to me that Jesus has some pretty strong opinions when it comes to the children that he has some very strong opinions about what it means to take care of the kids. Throughout all of the Bible, you see uh, so much being said here about this. <clears throat> and Jesus says, you know, rather than have these kids stumble, a person who causes them to stumble, a millstone should be put around their neck. That's kind of a violent thing to say. That's, that's putting a stone around your neck and dropping you in the ocean and saying that uh, you're making you uh, sleep with the fishes. Uh, that's how Jesus feels about us when we sacrifice the kids. And he's talking about their faith. He's talking about their ability to come to know the Lord. But it's a serious thing. And I do think that now is the time for us to be involved. So get involved with your school board. 
maybe no problems are happening with your, your schools where you are. And that's great to make sure that maintains the truth. Main, make sure that you actually know that. Really, you should cause your your school boards, make sure, go to the PTA, make sure that they are transparent. Transparency helps a lot. What's the money being spent on? What are the books that are being purchased? What is the curriculum that my kids are being taught in anything? And be aware. This really helps. It's the secretive nature of a whole lot of things that's creating a lot of problems. You understand? It is the idea that, hey, we're, we seem to be harming kids and we don't want parents to know about it, which suggests that we know it's harm. Does that make sense? It's a pretty serious thing. Jesus in Matthew 18, he says, he called the little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is great, greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Jesus said that. Do you have that passage on a uh, mug in your office? Probably not. That's how he feels about kids. And here's why. Matthew 21, another great passage. But when the chief priests and teachers of the law saw the wonderful things Jesus did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. The grown-ups were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants? Lord, you have called forth your praise. See, the Lord loves the kids and cares about them. I think we have to have that same passion. As adults, we, we should be putting up with a lot more to protect the kids, even at our own sacrifice. And I think most of us agree with that. Maybe I'm wrong, and we're out of time today for you to call me and tell me I'm wrong, so you can call me later and tell me I'm wrong. I think I'm right. I think most people on the left and right actually are pretty protective about the kids, and we know that there is a problem, and we're seeing this. And I think that for churches, we have a great ministry to kids. You know, a lot of parents come to church because they're terrified of having kids. We have parents come to church who don't know the Lord, but they know they need something. We have a preschool that teaches the Bible, which doesn't always happen in Christian preschools. And parents bring their kids to that preschool because they want their kids to learn some semblance of wrong and right. And they get to hear about Jesus and the kids go home and sometimes the parents get saved because of a five-year-old who tells them about Jesus. See, that's how the Lord works. He uses our kids. Let's pray for our kids. Let's love our kids. Let's make sure that we are ministering to our kids and our culture as best we can. We're out of time for today. Go to kkla.com to learn more. Pastor's Breakfast, sign up for that at your website, your radio station website, kkla.com. God bless you. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.